Hello? I don't know that that's helping a lot. But anyway, I think we're just going to go ahead and get started. So for those of you who are here over the weekend, um, you know this familiar face now, but um, this is Dr. Timothy Petitsis, who is the Assistant Professor of Ethics from Hellenic College Holy Cross in Boston. And this weekend he was speaking to us on the theme of beauty and the orthodox way. And today he's, he has a different topic prepared, but um, I think that you know he's also open to questions for any if, if anything from the weekend is still you know you're you're meditating on it and you want to ask a question about that that is totally acceptable. So he'll be happy to to receive those questions as well. So thank you. Maida, thank you, and thank you all for for staying after. Um, I think the we have about a half an hour and then or and some time for questions. As Tomeida said, my name is Timothy Petitsis. I've been teaching at the. Um, is is my volume at a good level here? No. It's so. How about if I just do? I hold it a little bit better. So. Um, for the la- my name is Timothy Petitsis. I've been teaching for the last 12 years or so at the Hellenic College and Holy Cross in Brookline, Boston, Massachusetts. And um, I, I, uh, I'm from Ohio originally, and um, I did my undergrad at, um, in Washington, D.C., and then I came to went to seminary in Boston. Then I went back to Washington to do a doctorate in systematic theology, and I was um, appointed by the Archbishop, His Eminence Archbishop Demetrius, to teach ethics at the school. Um, my predecessor in that role was Father Stanley Herakus. You may know his name. He he wrote and published uh, many things, and was very active in the uh, in the ethics space, as they say. Um, over the weekend, uh, I had the blessing of giving your um, annual nativity uh, retreat to prepare you for uh, the nativity fast or be part of that preparation. And the topic was uh, beauty and what uh, is the role of beauty in the Orthodox life. We have. Um, you think I should go ahead and wear it, Neil? Just, just okay. Then I'll do it. I'm going to just get it on and then I'm going to slide it higher. Is that, is that good? So, yeah, so um, I, one of the stories that I told over the weekend, is, is that really okay? Uh, one of the stories I told over the weekend was the famous story of the Russian envoys who were sent from Kiev to uh, travel throughout the world and find a, an appropriate religion, as it were, for their kingdom, for their king. And they reported back, you know, the shortcomings of all the religions that they visited. Um, but they also went to Hagia Sophia in Constantinople. And I see your, your academy is named after uh, Hagia Sophia also. And that church was built in the mid to late 6th century. So the envoys got there in the 10th century. So it was already, uh, you know, over 400 years old. But Hagia Sophia at that time, um, a thousand years ago. And in the report back, they said that, you know, we, we next went to, you know, to worship there in Constantinople, and, uh, and they, they reported several things. They said, we didn't know if we were in heaven or on earth when we entered that worship. And they said as well, they said, 
Um, we have never seen beauty like that. But what we can say is that there God dwells with men. God dwells with human beings. And in fact, the reaction was so strong to that encounter with spiritual beauty that when they went back to um, report to Vladimir, they said, um, they gave their report in full, but then they said something really rather surprising for ambassadors. They said, uh, you know, Your Majesty, you, you can make whatever decision you want to make, but as for us, we're not staying. We're going back. We've got to, we've got to get back to that beauty that we saw. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting as a story, not only for what it says about the primary effect of beauty in our spiritual life, but also for what it says about those special moments in time. And the word for beauty, when it shows up in time, is keros. Keros is a Greek word, which in the New Testament or in classical Greek thought is distinguished from another Greek word for time, chronos. We know uh, chronometer, or we know that word chronos as a time word. But chronos involves something less spectacular. It's a kind of, just the ordinary passage of time. It's a kind of undifferentiated time. And keros is a, has a different quality entirely. It's those moments when we meet beauty. It's those moments when God has interceded into our, our life somehow. And we understand at once that somehow this moment is unlike all the other moments in our life. Um, when we're having a moment of keros, we know that something important is happening here. It may be kind of numinous uh, in a way, that we can't exactly describe what's, uh, what's happening, but we know it's a decisive moment. Keros moments can be, uh, they can be very life-giving. For example, um, maybe the first time that you, know, you met your spouse or that you heard about your spouse can be a kind of keros moment. Or um, other, maybe the first time you entered the church or uh, different moments where somehow you felt God moving in your life. Um, a job was offered. Um, at my parish in Akron, Ohio, uh, where I grew up, my father was from Greece and my mother's uh, mother was from Germany. But anyway, I, I grew up at Akron, Ohio. We, we've only had, in about 125 years, three priests. I think that the, the first priest was a, a man from Crete, Father John Kapanakis. Anyway, the second priest was Father George Bartz. He was a young assistant priest somewhere, and and his uh, his prostamina said, you should go visit Father John. He's, uh, he's sick, and you should get his blessing. So he did. He drove over there one day to Father John's house where he was home sick, and um, he had many years to go before he retired, but he was sick at that time. And as he entered, the, um, the presbyter opened the door and he entered the, the den where the Father John was sitting. Father John looked up at our priest, our future priest, and he said, he just looked right at him and he said, you have come to replace me. He, he understood that whereas the priest, the assistant priest was just going for a little visit, it was kind of a chronos event, a chronos time, it turned out to be unexpectedly keros. And he did, right away, become the assistant to Father John, his trusted assistant. There were two priests for a while. 
and then he became his successor and lived out his his career there, let's say. So, so we can all relate to those kind of keros moments, and they often have this quality of a spiritual beauty, but also of surprise, that we don't necessarily um, know what's coming, where suddenly the moment happens. Um, and, and it can happen at many kind of scales. It could be... Um, I, I, when I lived in Athens a couple of years ago, I would always forget to have a little bit of money ready for the beggars. But this is a country with an unemployment rate of 20%. So what, what was I thinking? You know, sleepwalking through life. But when you meet someone who's asking for help, that too is a keros moment. Because it's a, it's a chance for you to... You, you're encountering God in that moment. And... Um, and so these kiddos moments, they have this other quality. Not only are they kind of a blessing, but they're kind of a potentially a moment of judgment. We might fail on those moments. We might, you know, pull back somehow. <clears throat> Another clergy story is a friend of mine uh, was getting ordained to the priesthood. He'd been a deacon for some time. And I congratulated him. And he said, he looked at me with a kind of stricken face. He said, no, it's not like that. I said, Why? He said, on the day he said, I was ordained to the diaconate back in Ukraine, the bishop said, I will come next week and make you a priest. And I said, no, 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 your grace, I don't want to know what it's like to be a deacon. Well, he said, what has happened is now it's almost 20 years have gone by. And every time that I've moved to get ordained to the priesthood, some completely crazy constellation of events has come up, and I've been unable. I've been blocked. So I realized that that bishop saying, I'm coming back next week, was a keros moment, and I failed the test. So keros can have that quality as well. We think of the word keros in the New Testament with the arrival of Christ, in particular the call of the apostles or his call to us to repent. But just think of those apostles who were told, you know, drop everything and follow me. That was a blessing a blessing far more than they could understand, but it was also a moment where they potentially might condemn themselves by not reacting. So uh, these, this quality of keros gives life um, a bit of drama, doesn't it? <laughs> it, it now, this notion of uh, distinguishing between Kronos and Kiros, that's a very common notion in the, uh, theology. Uh, I'm just adding to it this idea that it's really the eruption of beauty. It's the beautiful time. Kiros is the beautiful time. It's a time where something extra is happening, a surprise, a gift, or another word for those things, theophany. But in general... Uh, the notion of Kronos and Kuros, as I said, is well known. St. Augustine referred to time in general. He said, time is the moving image of eternity. Time in general is an aspect of God's love for us. It's a, it's a spreading out of His love because it gives us opportunities to learn, to grow, to make mistakes, all these things. And it's a special love for us as human beings. Obviously, animals don't experience time like we do, but then neither do angels. When the angels fell, that was it. They fell and they rebelled against God and it was an instant thing. And they're kind of frozen, sort of paralyzed in that state. Uh, sometimes you'll read about 
um, elders of the church or um, nuns or monks praying and they suddenly think of how trapped the devils are and they actually weep for the demons but it does no good for the demons but we have this gift of time it gives a lot of cushion it's a kind of it's a kind of surplus of God's life uh, shared with us this gift can be overwhelming however because we don't know how much time we have and sometimes we feel like time isn't moving at all um Sometimes time seems to be moving so fast that it's frozen in a different way. There's an old joke that says uh, the purpose of time is to keep everything from happening at once. And then you pause and you say, it's not working. (laughs) 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 So we need something else to prevent everything from happening at once. And since very primitive times in human history, that something else has been ritual. It's through ritual that we differentiate chronos time. We begin to make it something manageable, something that is neither too fast nor too slow. In general, in life, we convert chaos into order or into cosmos through ritual. Um, that's another, another joke is that, you know, there is a 12-step group for paranoiacs, Paranoiacs Anonymous, but nobody will tell me where the meetings are. <laughs> so, the... <clears throat> I would join at once. But the... Um, no human community can exist without ritual, without some demarcation of time. That is Sunday that we come together, not some random uh, event. Um, that... There are seasons for effort, there are seasons for rest. So even from very primitive, primitive eons, human beings have been converting Kronos into a semblance of Keros through reference to ritual. Ritual, though, is not enough. Um, Even people doing very bad things are often very careful about their rituals. (coughs) But, But in the church... The ritual is a holy thing, and it's designed to make us holy as well. And it's designed to set us up for an experience of Kiros time, of the beautiful time, that will then be the seed for all other kinds of time. Yeah, so we all can think of that, you know, even, uh, this is even true in our economy. I don't know the statistic, but I mean, and maybe it's different with Amazon now, but uh, what percentage of a store's retail is actually done at Christmas? It's, it's not, you know, one-twelfth. You know, it's more like 60%. Right? The, the stores basically are in a holding pattern until they get to Christmas. And that's... So even in our commercial life, ritual um, makes possible a kind of keros, a time of opportunity, of course, if you don't do well in the Christmas season, I suppose, then the keros has become a judgment and you go bankrupt. Um, true keros involves an intrusion by the Holy Spirit, this sudden arrival of God into our ordinary lives. God acts. He summons us. If we fail that test, then it becomes a judgment to us. It's like we've, we've judged ourselves. <clears throat> so those are some opening thoughts about time. But now I want to uh, spring over here into this topic of time management because uh, that's one of our obsessions. Um, 
The old way of looking at the world was they, th- they thought the soul had three main parts, they thought the family had the same three parts, and they thought society did too. In the medieval uh, time, they called those three parts, they defined them according to what peop- people did. There were those who work or, or trade, kind of merchants. There were those who fight, the kings and warriors. And then there were those who pray, the priests. So that was the old and, and more or less universal political philosophy of the human race, that society has these three parts. They each operate according to their own ways, their own rules. And civilization was when you, um, you, know, you somehow have a, a reasonable accommodation among the three of them. So, for example, uh, in our day today, we recognize, well, if we're going to help some country to develop, some country in another part of the world, like Ohio, then we, we're going to need uh, three things. We're going uh, to need good governance, we're going to need economic development, and we're going to need to address the culture issue. So those three parts of society are um, universal. The three parts of society have three different kinds of time. They have three different kinds of time. And my, what I offer for your consideration is that it helps to know this. It helps to know that uh, life has these three different kinds of time um, and that they each have their own kind of rhythm. So the first time that we mention is the time of the gift or the beautiful time. That's Kedos time. That's the time that is for creativity, um, for rest, for art, uh, for prayer above all, for encounter with um, the transcendent or even the unknown. The second uh, kind of time is a version of Kronos time. So Kronos time actually, it turns out, breaks out into two. One Kronos time is what I call fast time, and the other Kronos uh, is, is what I call slow time. And those roughly divide into uh, merchants and government. So I don't know if this is still the case, but you know, if I'm at McDonald's and my order is not ready, you know, within 30 seconds, I'm starting to feel an anxiety. But if I go to the DMV. <laughs> I'm bringing papers to grade, you know. I'm taking my number and I'm sitting down and I'm grading student work. So governments operate according to slow time. Uh, when we ritualize this slow time, we call it due process. Um, and and, and uh, merchants try to operate according to uh, something different, uh, a fast time. Um, somehow, every single one of our lives has to account for these three different kinds of time. Now, clearly, uh, I'm not going to say why that is, clearly, uh, Kedos time is what's most important. Because it turns out that Kronos time is really, um, is really, both Kronos times really just lead to death. You know, the, 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 you know, no matter how much money you make or how, how many, you know, you could have a, a to-do list of a hundred things every day and get it every single one, every day for your whole life, then you die. And you could be, and slowing things down with due process, but again, you, you die. But Kedos time is the one time that conquers death. And so we want Kedos time to uh, season the other two, right? So one way we say this is, Remember God at work. 
Remember God while waiting at the DMV. Uh, remember um, God while... There's not enough time to remember God while waiting in line at McDonald's because it's so quick. But if you go to the drive-thru, yeah, that's a little more slow, I suppose. Um, or if you're in the McDonald's and everyone else is in the drive-thru, you may never get your food. But anyway, my point is, there's two kinds of Kronos time, and both of them look to Keros time to find their, their, their meaning. <clears throat> In our day and age, uh, in general, in our conception of civilization, more than any other civilization or more than any other era, we emphasize the fast kind of chronos time. To us, that's what comes naturally. That's what seems like important. We count the seconds. We feel like church is too slow. We feel like, uh, you know, government is too, you know, should be dispensed with. It's, it's hopelessly, you know. But other civilizations really strove for a kind of balance, an equal poise among the times. But we live in a traitor age. We have since uh, perhaps the Reformation or maybe earlier. And so that's how we're looking at time, is more and more in the sense of we don't have enough time. Real time means quick. We must always be fast. We must always be productive. We have an approach to time that we got from Calvin and other Protestant reformers, from Ben Franklin, and his sense that always time must be productive, economically productive. This emphasis pushes out our ability to think of the other two kinds of time. But we have to be careful because we need all three. Let me give some examples of why we need all three kinds of time. <clears throat> we need that slow time, that sort of due process time. Think of, think of, of your, for example, um, your work life. Yes, there are tasks that have to be handled that come up on a, on a quote-unquote real-time, a fast-time basis. But often, there are other things that just have to be done regularly. Maintenance, communication, accounting backstops. This kind of, is a kind of ritual that has to happen. We have to block out time to get away from the tasks and burdens. Thank you. To get away from the tasks and burdens, the pressing things of, of the everyday moment. We have to be able to invest in long-term goals, right? If we don't set aside time every day and say, uh, I'm going to do some spiritual reading, for example, and have that be slow time, that's 30 minutes or that's 15 minutes. If we do that, if we do those 30 minutes, then we can get through, we can read the entire Bible, and that we have a treasury of that for life. It could be other things in life where we've got to set aside a friend of mine who's very good with money. Sunday night is the bills time. He's always got those three hours. It's a, it's a due process. All the bills go in a jar and there they are to be you know, looked at on Sunday nights. Excuse me. This ritual time we set aside for a dedicated activity. Uh, it's a predictable, it's almost sacrosanct. It's time allocate, allocated, as I said, with a view to long-term goals. Uh, a friend of mine published a book. I thought I would never read this book. 
so I woke up every morning at, at 5.45, and from 6 to 6.30 every day I read 30 minutes of the book until I was done. That was time that was difficult to do, that slow time, because there were always tasks that I was always behind on something else. Because this slow time is kingly time, it's the time of the kings, if we don't create it, we become slaves of circumstance. Because this slow time is the time of kings, of, of leaders, of, if we don't create it, we become slaves of circumstance. It's the time of warriors. If we don't create it, then when the battle comes, we're unready. It's the time where we're meant to set aside preparation for an emergency that might come. Again, if we don't create it, we wind up uh, enslaved. So it's important, especially now, that we're all completely into one-third of civilization, the merchant age, and that approach to time, to slow things down, to have some moments that are just are what they are. Of course, this is ideally speaking. Secondly, fast time. And every day there's, there are crises that just have to be done. Things that come up, there's no delay, you've got to just do them. And I try to set aside, for example, with emails, to try to set aside, if I can, um, 30 minutes in the morning or 30 minutes at night to do it. I don't do well with that, by the way. So don't send me an email. But the, uh, you can send me a text. Yeah, you know. Text is like dating. But an email, that's like we're engaged or something. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a little too... And a phone call? I mean, please. I mean, we're not married. I, I don't... Yeah. I, I, yeah, forget it. Just text. Okay. Um, so we have to set aside time, of course, also for that. That Sometimes, you know, the deadline is here. You just got to get it done. It doesn't really... You're not looking for it perfect. You're just looking for done. Um, sometimes it's just that result-oriented, make it happen. We need, we need to learn that as well. If we don't make room for this fast time, if we can imagine that everything is going to slow down and go according to our schedule, we don't have that reaction time, then we won't be able to react to what is really happening. And we won't be able to kind of show up and contribute. Whereas if we neglect slow time, we lose freedom in one way, we become slaves. Here, we lose freedom in another way. We lose the freedom to react and change and develop, let's say. So let's say we have those two kinds of time to some degree. Maybe, for example, we're a physician and part of being certified is we do have to set aside and do additional training every you know, couple of years or whatever. We have some notion of it. What about the third type of time, the keros time, the gift time, the beautiful time? Well, here it's a little bit trickier, just because, in theory, the gift time is, is a pure gift. So it's not up to us to control it. But, but normally, what we, what we, can, what we can do is, is react to it. The reason we have a Christmas Lent is because we believe the Holy Spirit, in a movement of keros, in a movement of gift, directed us to set aside that time. The reason we have Lent in the spring is the Holy Spirit has set aside these times and seasons for spiritual work. It's so easy to have no downtime, no time to rest or unplug. We have to schedule 
the time where Kiros could happen. You're never going to trap Kiros in your schedule. By definition, it's, it's a surprise. But you can create a space for it. They've done studies on people who are writers reporting how often they feel inspired. Who feels the most inspired? The people who wait for inspiration to start writing? Or the people who put aside an hour or two or three hours a day to write? Well, it's the people who ritualize it and are writing for three hours who get many, many, many more inspirations. So we do have to schedule even the space for Kiros time. Not that we can keep it imprisoned there, but we have to make that possible. And what does it look like when we schedule Kiros time? Well, time for prayer, of course. Time for re recreation or re rest. Ever since I saw that uh, the Snowden movie where he puts all the cell phones in the, in the microwave, I think, I'm thinking I want to get a microwave next to my bed and put the uh, unplugged and put the, the phone in there at night. But to somehow uh, create space where we're free of media. Um, time for family, time for friends. This is in a way almost of scheduling Keros time. Right? Have you ever noticed at work how often you only have any idea what's happening at work because of things you hear at lunch? And if you just kept working through the day, you know, you'd be effective in some way, but you would be completely uh, unaware of the surprising happenings going on. So to create some space for this gift time, which is a kind of uh, priestly time, let your sleep be sacred. Facebook is wonderful, but it, does it really have to be on the phone? It could be somewhere else. Maybe for the desktop. Are we really surfing the web in bed? I mean, what is that? Right? But, you know, let's turn the lights off here. Is our time with family and friends, is that sacred to us? If we make no room for gift time, we kind of lose our soul. We become spiritually dead. We have to schedule vacations with our family. We have to schedule um, days off or have some sense of what's going to happen with your weekends. It can't just be you're, just, you're all work and then the weekend comes and there's... Now, let's be honest. We need these three kinds of time, but to everything there's a season. Maybe when you have you know, young children running around the house, your life is just completely fast time. You can barely you know, get to church. Um, at another season, you know, maybe you're retired and you say, now I can go back to school and study philosophy or theology. Maybe you have more control of your time for these other uses. So there is some seasonality. There's no perfect life. Your life is changing all the, all the, all the time. And sometimes even clergy struggle to find time for personal prayer. My, our priest in Akron, who I, I think was a very saintly man, he said, they said, Father, aren't we worried that you're driving so much? And we had a huge parish. You're driving so much around. He said, oh no, he said, it's the only time I have to pray. So the, the parish council was scandalized, but anyway, he was a saint, so fine. <laughs> they can say what they want to say. Um, but if you think about it, most times have elements of all three. For example, you're commuting. That's a kind of due process time. If you turn commuting into fast time, 
you know, the other drivers will hate you. You just have to, you know, yes, press a little bit, you know, but don't, uh, you know, drive on the berm or something to... Um, so commuting is a kind of slow time. It's a sort of due process time. And yet, we may use this time to get things done. Let's say we commute on the train, we're answering emails, or maybe we commute by car, but we have the Bible on CD. So then that becomes a kind of gift time, a kind of beautiful time. So most times can have many elements. In our schedule at work, um, I've found uh, my new thing is I'm trying not, I leave the phone on airplane, I don't do emails before 1 p.m. So that I can actually think about my lectures in a deeper way. But later in the day, I've got to set aside the time to just answer emails and to go through those pressing uh, you know, problems that have arisen. Someone needs a signature. And the fact is, during the 1 p.m., during the, until 1 p.m., someone may knock and come in. It's life. There's a blend. What about our daily quiet time, if we're privileged to, to keep that? Um, I don't know if that's a big thing here, but if you live in, in you know, Texas or the American South, everyone has a, a daily quiet time, and everyone in Starbucks has a Bible. <laughs> and, uh, and they're there for their quiet time at Starbucks. That's an expensive quiet time. You know, you can do that cheaper at home, but, but it's better coffee. Anyway, the, um, so that quiet time is a kind of ritual time. It's a sort of slow time, but because what we're doing with it is maybe reading a church father or reading the scripture or praying to God, it's also the possibility of keros time. The same for family time. Maybe a good time with family is to work together, to do some tasks together. That's, that's family time, but it's also this other thing. Or maybe we like to pray together as a family. Uh, I was living at a monastery for six months on a Greek island, and does that mean the time, my time is up? Okay, I'll, does it? But the, two, two minutes? Um, but I'll, okay, so I'll, I'll, I'll finish, uh, never, but I'll finish soon with this story. That, that uh, What they used to do, I thought it was really wonderful at this monastery, was after dinner, they would uh, you know, say the, the Thanksgiving prayer at the end of dinner, and then the, the abbot and one of the monks would begin uh, the after-dinner prayers, so-called compline. But while they were starting the prayers, let's say in uh, an area near the kitchen, um, two other monks were cleaning the table, and two other monks were washing the dishes, and a third monk was lighting the charcoal, and when that was ready, putting the incense and sensing the entire monastery. And other people, maybe another person was sweeping, and three other monks were also doing the compline. And so the, everyone was praying, even though in a sense only five people were. But soon the table was cleared, and so those two monks joined. And soon you know, most of the dishes were done, and one of those monks came, and the floor was up. And, and so by the end, everyone was there. And then uh, in Greek monasteries, they always do compound, they always do the, uh, a full akathist to the Virgin Mary. Not the, you know, the, uh, the priestly parts, but just the hail, you know, the, the hails and all that. And, and in Greek monasteries, the big thing is to show you can do the whole thing by heart. Uh, that which I certainly couldn't ever do. Uh, anyway, and, and, and so it, it, it is a time ending, ending um, the day with an appeal to keros time, an appeal to the time of the gift. And God does give that gift. 
but it was also a time to get something done and to make it easier to uh, do those chores because the whole family, in a sense, was doing the chores and the whole family was still praying. So I'm going to stop there to see if there's any questions. Let me just summarize by saying, I, I think uh, th- this is not, uh, th- th- this really, people give a lot of talks about time management, and I, I really do not have a prescription, I just have a description that there's keros time, but then there's two kinds of chronos time, and we have to plan normally for all three to live a full life. But the precise balance in any life is different, you know, from day to day across the seasons. Now we're entering a season that's more directed to preparation for the nativity. So it's not I'm not telling you how to run your day or something. I'm just saying I've noticed that it's it's helpful to be aware of these three kinds of time. And with that, I will take any questions so we can finish by one o'clock. Thank you. Any questions, Patrick? So there's a, there's a service before Orthros that the deacon and the priest uh, will do called Kero. Or is it Keros? I don't know. But is there any connection with what you... Or is that like a completely different word that just sounds like what you were talking about? I think the reason that the, the priests and deacons take Keros before the service is because they're preparing for an encounter with ultimate Keros, the divine liturgy. The divine liturgy is the beautiful time of the week. And it really is not only the eighth day of the week, the final thing, but it's the first thing that everything comes out of. Um, Blessed is the kingdom. What What we're saying here is that in the divine liturgy, we have a foretaste of heaven itself. So that's the ultimate keros. But, but I mean, of course, keros is a word that any Protestant preacher will use that word as well. And it's the same sense that we've used it of the special time. Yes. Yeah. I'd like to ask a question about beauty and recognition, or even keros and recognition. So I think many of us assume that the beautiful is something that's recognized, or keros is something that's recognized. But the ma- major complaint about the Old and the New Testament is that there's lack of recognition of beauty, of keros. So acts of God are not recognized. Mm. Right? So the major complaint about the Old Testament is, here, I loved you, O Israel. I've drawn you out. I've done this for you. And you're stiff-necked. You don't recognize the time. Similarly with Christ, he said, I don't, you didn't recognize the time of your visitation. Similarly with, I mean, the whole life of Christ is keros, right? Every single thing, every day is, is a keros event in the life of Christ. Because everything that he did was a blessing. Yes. But yet most of the time it wasn't recognized. Right. So mm-hmm. I, the question that I have, that was a kind of a, a comment. The question that I have is what's the relationship between recognition and beauty, keros, and, and, and recognition. So somehow, somehow the, the demons, uh, the, the angels who fell, they understood it was keros. They understood that, and that was it. And they, they were, but God has constructed things so that if we don't get it right the first time, there's usually another and another opportunity. And, and that's what we're, we're hoping for. But we're trying to train ourselves not to miss those moments, especially where it concerns helping the poor, let's say. And I don't just mean the financially poor, but in any kind of poverty, loneliness or what have you. And 
Um, and we also don't want to miss those moments where you know God is trying to give us something that we need, and then we. So it's a, it's a process. Um, we're not always going to recognize them. Some of them will we'll, you know we'll see them afterwards. I mean, you know, speaking as someone who trains you know people for the church, you know, and you think, okay, I. I I understand that they're, they're not going to think everything that I think is kiddos is kiddos. And I could be wrong. Maybe God has some other plan for them. So I, I, we're all kind of dealing with a... In general, the, the issue of recognition, though, in, in the church is handled in this kind of... through a consensus of witnesses you know, that, that many people over time have, you know... So Christ gives a story about this as well. He says that a man had two sons, and he asked him, go help in my vineyard. And one said, no. But later on, he changed his mind, and he went. And the first one, oh, yes, Dad, I'm going to go. But he got lazy, and he didn't do it. And he says, which, which one has really pleased his father? Which one did his father's will? So um, we, we can't get like so uh, you know, frantic about uh, picking up on every single instance of Kiros but the moment we miss one, you know, we're inconsolable. We're allowed to say sorry and, and try over. That's not a good answer, but it's all I got. Father? <laughs> and if you have more questions, please feel free to yes. catch them while you can. If we could rise for prayer, since we have the Sunday school kids unattended right now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Christ our God, we pray that you grant us the wisdom to find that time for the gift of time that you give us. We pray that we may be able to leave the time that we are so often entrapped in and spend time with you and spend time that is outside of time so that we may prepare ourselves for that time that is beyond time in your eternal kingdom. Amen.